0: Last week, we talked about the principle of the path, and we started with this verse in Proverbs uh, 27 that says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The principle of the path says that direction determines destination, and we know that to be true when we get in our car, right? We know that to be true when we hop on a trail for a hike we know that our direction will determine our destination. When it, when, somehow, when it comes to things like our relationships, our marriages, who we date, how we date, how we handle our money, where we go in our education, all sorts of things, we sometimes overlook this principle. We just kind of tune, uh, tune it out and think that somehow we're the exception uh, to the rule. But in every area of life, there's a path that we take. And we take paths with our finances. You take a path with your relationships, with your marriage, with your friendships. There are all these things, all these different paths, and each one of them has a destination. And we said last week that for many of us, there's uh, this disconnect. Where, you know, like, I wanna have this kind of relationship. I wanna marry this kind of person. I want to have this kind of relationship with my kids. I wanna have this kind of job. I wanna have this kind of financial standing. I wanna make this kind of money. In, in our minds, we have a destination and we pick a path, either knowingly or unknowingly, that often leads in a different direction. And we end up somewhere we didn't want to be. And we go, what's wrong here? Like, what's going on? How did I get here? Didn't see this coming. Something's wrong. Uh, Hey, God, where are you? This isn't fair. What are you doing to me? And I would just say that there's nothing wrong. It's not unfair. It's the principle of the path. Every path has a destination. Direction, not intention, direction determines destination. That's what we talked about last week. Then we wrapped up with this prayer. That where we said, Heavenly Father, help me to see trouble coming. Give me the wisdom to know what to do. And then give me the courage to do it. So God, when I'm on a path and it's either the wrong path or it's an unwise path, I want to recognize that early and I want to change course. So God, if I'm on a path and there's danger ahead, help me see that. Tune me into the coming danger. And then I don't want to just keep going towards the danger and wake up someday and like, how did I get here? So when I see danger down the road, give me the wisdom to see it for what it is and then the courage to do something about it. Now, The problem with this whole principle, uh, the whole path thing, um, and and you all know this because you're all experienced uh, enough in this, is the decisions we make today have ramifications later, right? Have you experienced that? You can just do this if you want or you can, yes. But here's the thing. It's not that simple. The problem with the principle is that the path you choose in your 20s impacts what your life looks like in your 30s, right? And the financial path that you choose early on in your marriage, it impacts what happens to you later on, both financially and in the health of your marriage. The perspective you have and the path that you take when it comes to raising your kids early on has a destination. So consequently, choosing paths, whether it's relationally or financially or in your entertainment or in some discipline or any of those things, it's critical to make the right decisions up front. The problem is, we don't always have all the information. The problem is, we don't know the future. Yes, direction determines destination, but then what do you do about that? I don't know if any of you ever saw this game. Did any of your kids have this game? How many of you have your kids had this game, or you had the game? Okay, all right, you know what I'm talking about. I thought there'd be more, actually, but... Um, Basically, our kids had this. They played it a lot in the car. Um, it was a handheld electronic game based on the old parlor game, 20 questions. Okay? And now, of course, it's an app. And uh, if we had the time, I'd play a game with you real quick. But you can do that on your own. You can download it. We have Wi-Fi. Do whatever you want to do. But this, ga- this game was actually born out of an experiment in artificial intelligence back in the, listen, in the 1980s. It asks you to think of anything you like, and then it'll try to guess what it is that you're thinking in 20 yes or no questions. You've played that game. And so to do this, it uses something called True Artificial Neural Network. A true artificial, I'm like, well, that sounds like a paradox, True Artificial Neural Network. So if anybody cares to explain that, um, not right now, but sometime I'd like to have an explanation. So this game has about 10 million synaptic connections, 10 million. I don't know what a synaptic connection is, but I know 10 million is a big number. So uh, again, I don't really understand. But the human brain has 500 trillion synapses. I don't know who counted them, but I'm just going to take their word for it. 500 trillion, maybe the game counted it. I don't know, but... I don't know what I'm talking about exactly, uh, so again, an explanation here would be great. If there are any neuroscientists in the house, maybe we could, you could invite me out for coffee, explain to me what the coffee's doing to my brain. Basically, this game is self-learning, which means that its neural network is always expanding, especially in the app form. Its, its uh, knowledge develops with every game, every round that is played, and that's what makes the game so weird, really, that this artificial intelligence starts to basically make its own decisions and its own distinctions. So it comes up with information um, on its own based on what it's learned and what it already knows. Uh, and what's really freaky, and this is what was messing with me last night, is that the creators of this game have... I might have gone down a rabbit hole trying to understand this, is that the creators of this game adapted the algorithm in order to make it more interesting to play. In other words, they actually altered the artificial intelligence so it doesn't win every time, which is it's capable of doing, but they knew if it won every time, people would be tired of playing it. So it wouldn't be very interesting to play. So we aren't going to play it right now. So by asking seemingly unrelated questions... It narrows down its choices to the most suitable solution. I think it'd be really cool if someone would come up with a device like this for the real decisions of life. And don't say magic eight ball. We're not talking about the same thing. If you didn't take a magic eight ball apart and figure out how it works, then you can keep believing it if you want to. But I think it'd be really cool if someone would come up with a device for real, like this for real decisions of life, where like an expanding neural network, which sounds cool. I don't know what it means. But for the decisions that we make every day, at least for the big ones, that would be great. Because like, if we took God and the Bible and the teachings of Jesus off the table and out of the discussion, it would seem that if somebody would just come up with a database of every decision ever made, even if just for the last hundred years, you're like dating decisions, financial decisions, relationship decisions, parenting decisions, career decisions, education decisions, moral decisions. If somebody would do a database and just take all the decisions, match them up, with all the outcomes. That would be amazing. I would download, I would pay for that app. That would be really cool. And you could sit down with this flow chart and see like, here are my options. You know, if yes, this, if no, here, that kind of thing. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. Where is this ultimately going to end up? If you could follow the chart, see the results, man, that would be so much simpler. Um, and again if they could make it available online or on an app where you could just get on your phone and, and you know enter your question and see the decision, the decision you're about to make. And like you press enter and you get all the possible scenarios, and it's like 78% of people who made this decision experienced this, and 12% experienced that. And you could go away with a plan and understanding kind of the probabilities, and you could come up with a plan because you, you know your odds are best if you go with option A, but option B is a smaller probability, but it's sounds much more exciting so maybe you just want to go with that however you live your life but if we just had enough information right uh, we could run our lives that way if we just knew where certain paths led or how certain choices worked themselves out on paper or on a device that sounds like it would be a great approach the problem is we would not take that advice we wouldn't let me ask you a quick question how many of you know someone, don't look at anybody, you can just look here, I won't take it personally. How many of you know someone who's very, very smart, <laughs> who's, made very, who's made very, very dumb decisions? How many of you know someone like that? You can put your hand up, because I don't know who you're thinking of. How many of you know someone like that? Okay, you, here's what I'm just going to tell you. You all know someone like that. It's that person sitting in your chair, okay? Right? I mean, how many of you were were thinking of yourself anyway when you put your hand up? You Like, oh yeah, I don't have to look past the mirror to think of that person. My dumb decisions, listen, my dumb decisions were not due to a lack of information. I mean, there are times that we go, you know, oh, I wish someone had told me. That happens. That happens. I get it. But for the most part, we crash and burn on the paths that we choose not because of a lack of information. Some of you have probably spent money To go talk to a financial planner or a financial counselor, and they spend all this time, and they ask all these questions, they get all this information, they put everything in their computer, they create a profile for you on this platform, print off some neat documents for you, put it in a nice binder, and you take your money, and you're like, here's your financial plan, you paid for it, you're like, thank you very much, you put it in a folder, you take it home, you put it in a drawer, in a cabinet, in a box, in your basement, you don't even know where it is. You never get it out and review it, like, honey, let's make sure we're on our plan here. You got the information, you just ignore it. I mean, how many times have you been to the doctor? For me, this happens at the dentist, actually, because I know my dental hygienist is in with the big floss industry. I know that. (laughs) So just be aware of big floss, because they are (laughs) going to, they have an agenda, just saying. (laughs) How many times have you been to the doctor, you know, and they're like, okay, here's what you got to do. And you nod, and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to go right out and do that. And your spouse is sitting there taking notes, like, no, 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 slow down. I've got to write this down, because this is, we're going to talk about this, you know. And a week later, you forget it. You're back on your regular diet. You don't bother to get out of your chair. There's no such thing as physical movement. You've got this cool equipment in your basement, and it's a great place to hang, you know, those leg warmers and spandex that you bought for exercising, right? But, like, why? Why is this? Because your problem and my problem is not a lack of information. If there was a computer somewhere that could spit out the probability factor of certain decisions, that would not guarantee that you and I would choose those paths that lead to the outcomes we want in life. It's not about a lack of information. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that kind of wrestles with this tension. And the thing that makes this passage so relevant uh, for me is who wrote it. It's written by Solomon. Solomon, like last week's proverb, uh, he wrote some pretty amazing stuff. He was the third king of Israel. He was David's son. Solomon had a unique perspective on what we're about to talk about for for several reasons. Solomon was really young when he became uh, king, maybe uh, 17, 18, 20 at the most. Can you imagine being king at at 20 years old? As if that's not enough, your father just died, right? Because you become king, someone you care about just died. And now you're the king of this powerful nation. On top of that, you've been handed the responsibility to build the temple, which would represent the presence of God. So he's charged with building this temple. And one night, God communicates to him in a dream. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't believe God's ever spoken to me in a dream. Maybe he has to you. We can talk about that sometime. But that's how it worked here with Solomon. He says, Solomon, I loved your father. He loved me. Because I made a promise to your father, I want to make it the same promise to you. So uh, here's the deal. Ask me anything you want. Just make a request. I'll give it to you. You want long life? I'll give you a long life. You, you want wealth? I'll give you wealth. This one's interesting. You want me to kill all your enemies? I'll even do that. I don't know how that would play out. I'd, I'd love to have known how if he had actually opted for that one. Is it like, hey, honey, wake up, wake up. I had this great dream. I've been talking to God. He's been talking to me. i going to take care of all our enemies. Quick, we need to come up with a short list. You know, can you help me here? I, I want this, this, this. Where's this person go? This list? This list? I don't know. So I don't know how that would work. But Solomon, tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon says to God, God, I'm so overwhelmed with the burden of leading this nation, of ruling this nation. I'm so overwhelmed with the fact that I am so young, have no experience, don't know what I'm doing, got this vast, growing, powerful kingdom. I got to make a lot of decisions that affect a lot of people. and I don't know anything about this. I'll tell you what I want, God. I want wisdom. I want discernment, I want understanding, I want to have good judgment, I want to be able to sit with people older than me and more experienced than me and interact with them and make good decisions that are way beyond my years and experience. I need knowledge in areas where I have no education, I need knowledge and understanding and wisdom because you expect me to lead your people. So here's what God said to Solomon when he asked for wisdom. This isn't the text for today. We haven't even gotten to the sermon yet, but this is just kind of the background. This is what God said to him, 1 Kings 3. He says, so God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you. There's, there never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So God promises Solomon that he's going to make him the wisest man that's ever lived or that ever will live. And so Solomon begins to write and to teach, and he began to administer the kingdom. He was literally the wisest man in the kingdom, the wisest man on the globe, and according to these verses, the wisest man who ever lived. Now, the reason that's important to this conversation is this. If ever in the world there was a person who could say, God, thank you for the information, Thank you for the common sense. Thank you for the wisdom. Now, you can go ahead, go back to whatever it is that you do, like running the universe, because I'm cool now. I got all the information I need. I'm loaded up with wisdom and information and knowledge and understanding. I am good to go. Thank you. If anybody in the world could have gone out and made decisions based on their own intuition, their own wisdom, their own discernment, their own judgment, it would have been Solomon. But when Solomon addresses the question of how do we know what to do, How do we know which path to take? How do we know up front what to do now so that later on it's a happy ending and not a train wreck? How do we make decisions financially, relationally, in our character, our reputation, our influence, like you name it. How do we know how to get on what paths now that take us to where we ultimately want to be, a place that God ultimately wants us to be? How do we make those decisions? And when Solomon began to answer those questions... He didn't say, well, I'll tell you how I do it. I just draw on this vast wisdom. I just draw on all this knowledge I have. I, I draw on all the information I've gathered over the years, and I kind of go it on my own. And if you want to make good decisions, you've got to get more information. You've got to have all the information. You just need to ask God for more knowledge, more information. Uh, just like read my books. That's all you need to do. But when Solomon, that's not what he said. When Solomon answers this question, he says, he says something that, should kind of take us by surprise uh, based on what we know about him. So if you grew up around church, you're probably very familiar with these verses. You might even, depending on how uh, churchy you are, you might have these on a plaque on a wall in your house somewhere. Uh, But here's what he said in Proverbs chapter 3. He says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is... In every area of your life, every possible path, every category of path, trust. Because the answer to life is not simply information and insight. It is the person of God who has invited us to lean hard into him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The Hebrew phrase here literally means to prop something up against something else. So he says, your tendency and mine will be to make decisions based on the way that we see the world, right? And the way that we've experienced the world. And here's how we say it. We get in conversations, we're like, well, the way I handled that or the way I see that, or the way we do that, or the way I've always done it, the way I would handle that situation. We get into conversations like that, and we don't always listen, right? We're just waiting for the other person to stop talking so we can say, well, I had that come up one time. Here's what I did. Let me tell you what I would do there. Here's how I handle that. Because our tendency, my tendency, is to lean hard into our own experience, our own worldview, our own knowledge, the information we've gathered, books that we've read, experiences that we've had, to lean on our own understanding. And that's not to say we shouldn't gather knowledge, right? From everybody that we read and everybody we're around, of course, that's part of it. But Solomon's slicing this pretty thin right here, and he says, look, even with all of that, with all that you know, all that you've learned, all of your life experiences, the things you've learned personally, the things you've learned vicariously through watching other people, the things you've learned the easy way, the things you've learned the hard way, with all the knowledge and wisdom and information that you have, don't make the mistake of thinking when it comes to choosing the paths of life, don't make the mistake of thinking, well, I'm old enough, I'm experienced enough, I've lived enough life, I'm smart enough cool enough, careful enough to lean on my own understanding at this point. Instead, even with all my wisdom and all my knowledge, even with all the information I've gathered, I'm just going to refuse, every day I'm going to refuse to lean simply on my understanding of what's going on, whether it's in my marriage or in my business or in my job or in my education or my relationships or parenting or whatever it might be, Don't prop yourself up. Don't prop your decisions up on your own understanding. But you know what? We do this all the time. I can handle this. Been there, done that. I can do it. I can handle it. I learned my lesson. I was a kid once. I know how to parent. (laughs) It's like I had surgery once. Now I'm a doctor, you know. I'm a man, I am a woman, I'm self-made, I own my own business, I can handle this. Every single day of our lives, we're tempted to trust in our understanding of the world as it relates to family and relationships and money and everything else. The wisest man in the world said, look, if you want to end up on the right path, if you want to have direction from God, understand this, direction from God doesn't begin with a search for direction. Direction from God begins with submission submission precedes direction You begin this pursuit by trusting in the Lord with all your heart, which means, God, I'm going to trust you with my finances. God, I'm going to trust you with my marriage. I'm not going to wait until all my options are bad and then come to you for advice. I'm letting you know up front, I'm trusting you with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own limited understanding. Even before we get to the fork in the road, I'm trusting you. And this is what Solomon says, he repeats himself kind of for emphasis in verse 6. In all your ways, okay? Yeah, your marriage ways, your parenting ways, your financial ways, your workplace ways, your friendship ways, your entertainment ways, your morality ways. In all your ways, not just your Sunday ways, not just your religious ways, not just the way you are around certain religious friends when you're talking to the pastor, not in your, you know, I'm going to try to get some good luck from God because if I do this and I pray that and I get the formula right. No, no, in all means, all your ways submit to Him. That means that we learn to live our lives with a God component in every single aspect and area of our lives. That we learn to live our lives with a God component in every single area of our lives. That we submit to God in our relationships We submit to God in our marriage, we submit to God in our money, we submit to God in the way that we relate to our children, that somehow we learn to invite God in and acknowledge that God, you are the Lord over my money, you are Lord over my marriage, you are Lord over my career, you're Lord over my friendships, you're Lord over my entertainment, over my weekends, I'm going to submit to you in every single component of my life. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight as a result. As a result, he will make your paths straight. At the end of the process, he'll make your paths straight. So the little phrase, make your paths straight, means he'll make the way clear and you will know which path to take. But you see, submission precedes direction. That's why God, who has big dreams for our future, he says to you and he says to me, would you please let me work with you to keep you out of the situation where you have three options and none of them are good? Where the eggs are so scrambled, there's nothing we can do about it now. Would you be willing on the front side before you need to come to me and say, oh God, what do I do now? What do I do? What do I do? Would you be willing, he says, to submit to me in all your ways? Because if you do... He says, I'll get involved in your life, and I will make your paths straight. Listen, we don't need more information. We don't need more clarity. We don't simply need more insight and wisdom. On the front end, we need submission. Because we've all taken good information and ignored it. But when we begin to wake up every day of our lives and we begin to make this daily decision, God, I'm going to submit to you in all my ways. Because I've gathered all the information, you know, but that doesn't seem to make the difference. So now before I even begin my pursuit of information, before I even know what the options are, before I can even see the fork in the road, I'm surrendered to you in all my ways. And I believe our Heavenly Father says, "I, I want to make the path clear. I want to make I want to clear the way for you. I want to help you know which path to take. And again, it begins not with asking for direction. It doesn't begin with, God, I need more information. It begins with absolute, total submission and surrender. Submit to me in all your ways. It's like, I can't wait to make the path clear. Oh, then he continues, and this one doesn't often make it on the plaque on our wall. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. It's like, ah. Oh. It's like, I know you've been doing this for 20 years. I know you're a professional. I know you've had three kids. You know all about it. I know you've got knowledge. I know you've got experience. I know you have the books on your shelf. I know you went to the seminar, but that's all great. But don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that that's enough, because it's not. You know what the interesting thing is? If you know the rest of the story, if you know the story of Solomon, do you know what he did? This is amazing, right? With all the wisdom and all the knowledge, And all the experience that he had, there was an area in Solomon's life where he decided, I'm going to trust in my own wisdom, my own intuition, my own experience. And this guy had lots of wisdom and intuition and experience. And if anybody, if ever there was anybody in the world who could say, you know, like, God, see you later. You gave me so much wisdom, so I can trust my own intuition here, my own knowledge, my own experience, my own information. I'm good to go. So in one, it was him, right? So in one area of his life, Solomon quit trusting in the Lord and instead trusted in his own ways. He decided that instead of trusting God to defend the nation, that he would marry the daughters of foreign kings and emperors in order to have alliances, because that's what they did in those days. According to the way of, his way of seeing this, this is the best way to protect the nation. And in doing so, and in leaning into his own understanding, he disobeyed God. And he didn't lack information. And he didn't lack wisdom. He didn't lack knowledge. But for some reason, in this one area of his life, he decided he couldn't trust God with defense of the nation. So he decided to trust in his own understanding. And it wrecked the kingdom. And it wrecked his legacy. And it divided his family. And ultimately, it, under his rule, it divided the kingdom. Moral of the story. Information's not enough. Wisdom is not enough. Insight and experience is not enough. We, we need a God component. You don't need more common sense. Well, maybe you do, but that's not enough. See, right? You don't need more information. We need the guidance that comes from the Holy Spirit when you're living in submission to your Heavenly Father. In one area of his life, the wisest guy in the world decides to make this decision on his own and he abandons God's way and he paid dearly. You could say, Proverbs 27, that he paid the penalty. Every once in a while when I'm preparing a message, um, there's something that jumps out at me in my preparation process and like a zinger for me. And uh, so here are three simple phrases that kind of stood out to me, that maybe they will connect with you, maybe be helpful. Number one, pride eventually overrides wisdom. This is why smart people like you and I make dumb decisions. This is why you've made decisions looking back, you're like, how could I, like, why, why would I have done that? You I mean, you could say, you know, I knew better. Because pride, that's why. It's like, God, thanks for the opportunity. See you later. I, don't, I trust you for the most part, but I don't really need to trust you with this one. I, I don't really need to depend on you on this one because I can handle this one. I've been here before. I know what I'm doing. This isn't new territory for me. I could teach the seminar on this one. So go help someone else now because they really need it. Pride overrides wisdom. Secondly, arrogance eventually overrides wisdom common sense. And then number three, self-importance overrides discernment. And if we think that all we need is more information, all we need is more insight, um, all we need is more maybe wisdom, we need more counsel, I, read, I need to read another book, have another conversation with somebody, the story and legacy of Solomon is that's not enough. We need God in this process. We need an attitude of utter dependence on Him. You and I need to submit to Him, listen, in every single one of our ways. And when we do, God says, I will make the path clear. I'll make it obvious what you need to do. So here's my question. Are you submitted to God in all your ways. This see this is about God I think I'm pretty smart in this area. But I realize that's not enough. God I got 20 years of experience in this area, but I need you as if I had no experience. Or God I'm a professional in this area, but I'm just as dependent on you as if I knew nothing about it. So I'm submitting to you even in the areas where I think I have some knowledge, even in the areas where I think I have all the information, even in the areas where I think I have some control, because I realize that when I begin to trust my own judgment, when I begin to refuse to surrender to you, eventually my pride, my arrogance, my self-centeredness, my sense of self-importance will override all the wisdom that I have will override all the experience that I've been given. I realize that when I begin to depend on myself, I have the potential to make dumb, dumb decisions even when I know better, and I will pay the penalty. So here's my final question, I think. Taking out of the mix all the things that you have no control over, okay? Are you actively submitted to God in all your ways? Like, have you surrendered to God those things that you tend to think you can control? See, this is where Christianity gets real. This is where it gets practical. This affects everything. This affects controlling behaviors in your life. It can it affects those habits that control you. It affects those moral choices that, that you keep rationalizing in your mind because it's not that big a deal. It's just accepted in our culture. Don't be so old-fashioned. This affects your priorities about how you spend your time and how you spend your money. This is where you go to bed at night and you're like, I can't believe I did that, but God, I know that's what you've asked me to do. And you made the the path very clear. And I feel like, I kind of feel like I'm in a free fall here. I can't wait to see what you're going to do because it's totally out of my control. And God's like, I love this. This is right where I want you to be because you're going to experience me in a way you've never experienced me before because now you're leaning totally on me. And where I go, you go. And if I go, you go. That's where I want you to live your life. Are you submitted to him in your marriage? Oh, I know, I understand what you said in your wedding ceremony. I know what you say on those cards that you just put your name on on your anniversary. Uh, But do you regularly submit to God in your marriage? Are you surrendered to him in your finances? Are you surrendered to him in your career? Like if you're in your teens or you're in your 20s, are you surrendered to him with your plans for the future? To say, God, here's how I'm handling my education. Here's where I'm headed. But God, more, more than my will, more than my ambitions, more than the things I want to accomplish, I really want your will more than anything else. I'm surrendering to you in the area of my future. Because if we don't, eventually, by leaning on our own understanding, we may choose a path that takes us where we don't want to go. Here's the thing, though. When you end up at a destination where you didn't want to go, Your Heavenly Father will meet you there, and He won't be angry, but He'll be brokenhearted. He'll meet you there on that day when the only options you have aren't great. He'll be there for you. But He sure would wish for you now, today, to make a decision to avoid that situation altogether by simply coming to Him in every situation and saying, God, I submit to you in all my ways in those areas where I'm an expert, in those areas where I know nothing, where people think I'm wise, where people think I'm absolutely ignorant and and over my head, and maybe they're right. So here's a question. We're going to take some time in just a few minutes for some reflection like we did last week. And here's a question we're going to lean into. This is a defining moment kind of question, I think, if you'll let it be. Why am I so afraid to submit to God in the areas where I think I have control? Why am I so afraid? Why do I only submit to him in the areas of my life where I think I have no control anyway? <laughs> Why am I so afraid to say, God, I'm going to surrender to you in all my ways? This is so important because discovering your answer to that question may be the next step and coming to the place where are able to say with many of the people around you, you know, being smart isn't enough. Knowledge isn't enough. Insight and information isn't enough. We need God. We need the God component. We personally need God. We need a relationship with Him. And that happens not by asking for direction. It happens by surrendering to Him. Submission always precedes direction. So I just want to challenge you to at least take some time to figure this one out. Spend some time wrestling this one to the ground, God, why is this so hard for me? Why am I so afraid of this idea? Because maybe some of you will have a moment where you'll, you're like, God, I, I want to surrender to you in every area of my life, but I don't even know what that means, what it looks like, but I surrender because I want you to make the path clear. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths straight. Just before I pray, I'm going to give you a little bit of guidance for the next few minutes. After I pray, we're going to play some music. We're going to put some questions and statements on the screen. We're going to take a few minutes just for personal reflection. So after I pray, stay right where you are. Let's all engage with this and let's be um, mindful of the people around us. This is not a time for conversation. This is a time for personal reflection. So let's take a few minutes after I pray here to let the Holy Spirit speak into us. Let's be open to what He has to show us. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the practical guidance in Your Word. This book of Proverbs is so full of it. At every turn, there's something that is so applicable to our lives. Thank You for the wisdom and the insight of writers like Solomon. Thank You for the fact that the application of these words is so straightforward for us. So today, we simply pray that you would show us where we've been afraid to submit to you, those areas of our lives where we think we have the most control. Why is it that we're so afraid to hand it over to you? And in these next few moments of personal reflection, we want to be open to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us. May we respond with humility and openness, and then may we act accordingly. In Jesus' name.